0: I'm we'll gonna do something a little different this morning than my normal um, exposition of a particular passage of Scripture. I wanna, I wanna think a little bit bigger uh, as to the structure of a biblical church, uh, because we just have a visible, visible picture of new deacons, new staff, new elder, um, and I want us to think about how does that fit? How 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 do we do church together with leadership and church members and to think through that uh for sake of time so this doesn't go any longer than you're used to um i'm I'm not going to read every passage of scripture but i want to remind you of matthew mark both talk about the greatest commandments that God has given us and you know what those two are where Jesus responds to the question what's the greatest commandment he says the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength that you love your neighbor and the second is like it the, that you love your neighbor yourself so you've got this command to love God it's the greatest second greatest is you love your neighbor as yourself I want you to think about how that plays into the Great Commission when Jesus is about to depart and he, he, he makes an appointment with his um, 11 apostles. He says, I want you to meet me on the mountain in Galilee and I'll be there with you. Now, by that time, s- most of the apostles, not all of them, had already gotten to a, a firm conviction without doubt, Jesus is none other than King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. But some were still, you know, wrestling with the doubts. Is, is he really raised? Um, is he really who he says he is? Where are we headed and all of that? They get to this mountain, and when Jesus shows up, those who are firmly convinced already bow down and worship. That's the right response when you understand who Christ is. Your first response is worship. They exalted him. And he, de- he declares to them at that point your right to do so because I have all authority in heaven and on earth. It's all been given to me now. And since I have all authority, there's no power greater than me. Your right to worship should be your first thing. What you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I am God. And that's the greatest obedience you can perform is an obedience of love for God. So they do that. Then he says, now I want you to go into every ethnic group and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teach them everything whatsoever I've commanded you. We know that to be evangelism. To go and to declare Christ. And then the third thing, to teach them everything whatsoever I have commanded you. When you think of that, that's our mission statement. If you've got the, your new connection uh, booklet this morning, the second page right at the bottom says New Covenant Church mission is wholehearted love for God, first commandment, and man, second commandment, through exaltation, that's worship, evangelism, sharing Christ with others, and edification, teaching them everything whatsoever I've commanded. That's how we go forth as God's people. We also have a motto on the front promoting a life-changing faith within a loving fellowship. So those are documents for us, or statements for us that help our officers and should help you think about how we do church together. Now let me break it down for you a little bit and let me just help you see how this cycle works. If you begin with the first command or the Great Commission, doesn't matter which one you start with, you're doing the same thing. You're loving God. You're exalting God. If you begin with exaltation, if a priority as a church is put on Sunday worship and you put the same priority in your homes on worship, you spend your first times of the days and weeks worshiping, Guess what? You fall in love with God. You love Him. You adore Him. You're commanded to do so, and it starts happening within you as you take those steps of obedience to exalt and worship God. Now, after you love God more and more and more, what is evangelism? You go and you tell, really, this, this is my new definition for evangelism. Evangelism is commending what we cherish. And you do that naturally. You commend to other people what is the love of your heart. You commend what you cherish. If you love a certain Mexican food, you tell people about it. You love a certain school, a certain team, you tell people about it. You commend what you cherish. If you learn to love God, love Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you cherish Him and you will naturally commend to others what you cherish. It doesn't have to be difficult. As a matter of fact, most of you should have already been doing evangelism this morning if I were to ask you the question, When's the last time you evangelized anybody? The answer should be and could be easily, Well, well I did it last Sunday morning. And I've done it this Sunday morning. One of the reasons we want you to bring your kids with you into church, because we want your kids asking the question, Mom and Dad, why are you doing this stuff? Why do you sing with such passion? Why do you pour your heart out? Why do you put money in the plate? Why do you take communion? Why did did you say amen when they got baptized? And when you do all of that, you're telling your kids, Because I, I cherish Jesus. You're just commending to your kids what you cherish. That's evangelism. And you say, well, I don't have kids to bring. As you come, we look around the room and we see. I mean, that last song, I kind of lost it for a minute in my mind. I was somewhere else. And I look around the room and I see somebody saying, God, I need your mercy. I could just see it in their face. You commended to me what you cherished. We do that as family, one to another. This is shameless evangelism. You don't have to think, well, well, I just can't ever do that. I don't do it. You do it. I just want you to do it more and more, better and better. And it starts with loving God. You exalt Him, you love Him, and then you commend Him to others. And once they start saying, wow, you, you really love Jesus. Maybe there's something there, and and they are drawn to that love. It's the loving kindness of God that leads to repentance. And once you find someone who's come to Christ, you say, Now let me teach you. That's edification. Let me build you up from where you are to the next level. That's good ministry. Exaltation, evangelism, and edification. God's been blessing us with that. If you've not been doing it, I want to get you on that page. That's our mission. That's the New Covenant mission. It didn't always be. It took us a while to get there, and I want to share with you some of that. So I just gave you Matthew 28, Mark 12, how that... Oh, by the way, and once you start this cycle, it, it never ends. So if I start loving God, and then I, I share my love with my kids, my family, with you... Commend, that's evangelism. Then I start teaching, and someone falls in love with God. See, they start doing it. The cycle never ends. As I'm built up, I'm built up to go back and just keep loving God. It's a never-ending cycle. It's, It's not a mission, you just finally finish, got it, done. Doesn't happen. It's just it's constant life in the body of christ i got uh, four slides i want to show you this morning you've got three of them on your handout so i'm gonna get Aiden. this is the first one i want to say how do churches structure um their ministry together and i you know how i am i like to alliterate and i like c's and so this is going to be the clergy church and then we're going to look at the committee church and then the commissioner church no authority to call churches this okay It's just a hanger for me to hang my thoughts on. And I want you to think of how churches function, how we need to function with the new leadership we've got. So um, we just put people into, most most people call in the clergy church, into the middle. They're our true ministers. Even elders and deacons are referred to sometimes as clergy types. So I call them the clergy church. I'm the clergy I'm the minister. And we we put other people alongside me in that role as clergy types or ministers. So the clergy church hires or it just elects and ordains people into ministry. You see in the outer ring, little church, because most churches in this category, and this is the way we started out as a church, you expect the leaders, the elders, deacons, and hired staff to do most of the minister, ministry. As a matter of fact, when you're in this kind of church, you see everybody introducing somebody like me. Here's our minister. Here's our minister. Here's our... Oh, th- these are our elders. These are our deacons. There's this concept that these are the ministers instead of the concept that you're doing exaltation, evangelism, and edification, that you're actually doing ministry it's amazing that probably at least 70% of the American churches are in this category because 70% of the American church has less than 100 people attending on Sunday morning most of them really less than 75 65 people attending on Sunday morning so if you ask somebody where they go to church 7 out of 10 um, of these churches are going to be small churches I looked up uh, the LifeWay research. According to uh, 2020, LifeWay research, a small church is defined as fewer than 100 in attendance. Seven out of 10 churches in America are in this category. These churches have facilities, typically, to accommodate 200. So they never get half full. They have the highest budget per capita. They spend the highest percentage on buildings. They have the highest percentage of members over age 65 and the smallest percentage of children, youth, and young adults. And they are also the least likely to be actively looking for new members. They are not commending what they cherish. Why? Because they have begun to assume that the, and put the in all caps, the ministers are in the hub of this ministry will. There's a better way uh, to move beyond this to another um, philosophy of ministry. So, Hayden, move to the next slide. Here's my committee ministry church. Here you see in the hub of this ministry will, the minister has now become a leader equipper. And he has got about equal assignments for being a minister, and also a leader equipper. I call it a committee church because most of the churches I've studied and been in, when a church moves from a small church to a little bit larger church, now is being called a mid-sized church, they have a lot of committees. And we tried that as a church early on. And so the few elders, when we were first started out as a small church, and I got together and I said, let's go through our membership directory we've got to get more people doing ministry because I can't do it all. And they agreed and said, let's put everybody on a committee. If we didn't have a committee, we invented a committee. Everybody in the church was put on a committee. I didn't realize what I was doing. I would have voted that down, but that meant me as the primary staff person, I had to meet with every committee and tell them why we had just put them on a committee. And the first question is going to be, what's the mission of the committee? What are we supposed to do? What's our assignment? What a headache. I'm sitting there trying to figure out the mission of all these committees, and I can't find them in the Bible anywhere. You know, this committee's not in the Bible, but this is what we want you to do. And I'm trying to create a mission statement and a vision statement and action points for all of these committees and everybody's on one. Well, what did that do for us besides wear meat slap out? It... It did generate more ownership, more ministry, um, but not with the view that you were the ministers. Because often if the minister, me, could not make the committee meeting, the committee didn't meet. And it's like, well, you were supposed to be doing the ministry whether I was there or not. Well, we needed a leader. And it's like, oh, you need somebody to lead and equip you for ministry, and when's that really going to happen? Well, same research, 2020 LifeWay research says, a mid-sized church has 101 to 250 in weekly attendance. So that's the new description of mid-size, 101 to 250 in attendance, representing approximately 20% of our American landscape. They are more likely to have an outward focus, opening their buildings to outside groups, They report better financial positions, but are declining, which is interesting. They are declining faster than the previous group. They're declining faster than other churches and are not continuing to grow in their communities. The church focus is divided among committees, and that leads to divisiveness, to burnout, and frustration among many. Most church surveys reveal about 90% of American churches are similar to what I've described as a clergy church or a committee church. Their growth is limited, and it's not because they don't care about the gospel. And it's not because they don't care about people. It's because they aren't functioning the way God has intended them to function. They still love God. They still love the gospel. They still love people. But they're not being equipped for a better ministry. So let me go to the third slide. This is what I've called the commissioner ministry. And you've already seen it from the Great Commission. Go and to every ethnic group. Let's start expanding the church from the 11 apostles to every ethnic group. How do we do that, Jesus? And Jesus says, I want you men to begin equipping so, the leader quipper becomes a primary function of those in this leadership role that God has given us. That they need to be leading, equipping. They still do ministry, but see, the, the M is the same size as those around them. And the word church has been replaced with ministers who also have ministry to do. So the leader equipper is to equip every member to do ministry. Which is also a philosophy you've heard us say many times. Every member is a minister. And we need to get to that place. We are to that place. Continue functioning. In that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through I think it's 16. Ephesians 4 Verse 11 through 16. Hear God's word. And he gave the apostles, this is Christ. Christ died, buried, rose again from the dead. Then he ascended into heaven. And that's where we pick up the story. And it's basically, if you see back in verse 9, he said, uh, he was saying, he ascended. Because he has the authority now as our King and Lord to ascend into heaven, he has authority to tell us what to do on earth and how he wants us to function. And that's what he's doing here. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So God gives gifts to men to do what? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry... so we all should, have, we get to the place where all can speak truth to one another in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together, not by the leader equipper, but by the ministers. By every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in Well, I want us to think about how do we become the body working properly? And you see here in verse 11 that God has given gifts to men. And as I've tried to look at these gifts, the gifts we know exist today based on spiritual gifts, you have this category of shepherd, verse 11, at the end there, um, shepherds and teachers. New American Standard said pastors and teachers. The word pastor is really not in uh, the New Testament. It's the word shepherd. So the en- New English uh, English Standard Version actually translates this more accurately as shepherds uh, than to have the word pastor here as, as just an anomaly. Where would that word come from when you're not seeing it uh, flow through the scriptures? And then if so, if you take the office of pastor out, you're left with a shepherd who is an elder who um, Shepherds the flock. When you look at the other passages, like Acts 6 I referred to earlier, or 1 Peter 5, or 1 Timothy 3, or Titus 1, where you see elders and deacons described, you will notice that they're all described as overseers. They are overseers. They're overseeing a ministry. They're not doing the ministry. See, They are still described as leaders and equippers. And that's why I put the elder deacons in this hub of the wheel, in this category of leader-equipper. And not that we just ordained and installed some new ministers. But we have expanded our leader-equipper base so that we can expand our ministry base. They can lead and equip. And you were even given charges from Hebrews 13 this morning... Follow your leaders, imitate their faith, pray, honor them so that your ministry expands. You're following them into ministry, which is crucial. And you, you also notice so you, you see that in verse eleven, overseers, to shepherd is an overseer. Verse 12 to do what? To equip ministers, members. And if the leaders equip the members to do ministry, you look down in verse 16, the church is functioning properly. That's how God wants us to function. God didn't come up with these three alliterated kinds of churches because they don't fit everything. But they just help me, okay? Now, let me go one more slide. Notice what happens. Every minister has a particular sphere of ministry. Ministry blows up. And ministry now is, has no limitations. Because you have around you, you are a minister if you know Christ. And as a minister, you've got people in your home that maybe don't know the gospel. You've got neighbors on your street that don't know the gospel. What are you supposed to do? Just commend what you cherish. They come to you and say, man, I'm going through the worst, worst day or worst week of my life. I, I just don't know what to do. And you can simply say to them, well, I'm not sure what to tell you. But I know what I would do. I would fall on the mercies of Jesus. Because I have found he always blesses and helps me. I love him. You're just commending what you cherish. That was evangelism. You were equipped with that here, this morning. Now you can commend Christ. And if those people come and join you, well, can I come and join you at your church? Sure can. And they see you commending Christ to them again and again and again. And at some point say, well, walk with me to a discipleship class. Wouldn't it be cool if we could be taught everything God commanded? And we have a church committed to that kind of discipleship, teaching us everything Christ commanded. Well, every one of us then has ministry, and our ministry begins to overlap so that the people I'm ministering to, like in the families that were baptized this morning, not only do I minister to them, you minister to them as well. So they don't get just one touch of love, me commending what I cherish, but they get six, seven, eight, nine, ten. As our ministries overlap and people begin to see, wow, I'm, I I experience such love in the body of Christ, and they're proclaiming to me something that's radical. It's a life change and a loving fellowship. And God continues to grow us and expand our ministry without gimmicks, without billboards, without anything but just functioning properly as a minister that's been equipped to take the good news. The leader-equippers need to continue to be leader-equippers if we let the leader-equippers try to do all of the ministry. You see, it brings it down. It's really better that they focus on oversight and leading equipping and then freeing people to do ministry. Um, If any of you are old enough, how many people are old enough to remember the Ed Sullivan Show? Wow, this is an old crowd. One of the things I liked on that show was the guy that would come out with a a dowel stick and a plate. Remember that guy? Spin a plate. He'd get one going. Then he'd get a second one going. And a third. Then he's got to get back to the first one. You know, and... If I could ever get four going, that'd be amazing. These guys could do 10, 11, or 12. They were super people. I mean, that's... That's a talent, I guess. In ministry... The clergy church hires the minister to bring his plates and his dowel stick to the table and start spinning ministry plates. I can preach. I can teach. I can visit. Now he's starting to get tired. (laughs) Maybe he can do one more thing. Maybe he could evangelize a few neighbors. At some point, he's trying to keep four plates going, and he burns out and he's tired. The average pastor leaves the church every four years. The average youth pastor, sorry Tim, leaves the church every 18 months. You know, her. thank you. She, she put her hands over his ears. Don't hear that. Why? Because you can't keep doing all the ministry. So you move up to a committee church. And a committee church, hey, preacher, you just can't keep doing that. You're going to burn out. Create some committees. Let us help you. And so in the committee church, several people, hey, I can spend that one there for a while. And you doing this one. you, You start adding more ministry because you got some help of people looking at the ministry a little bit, focusing on it, helping you do more. But what if you moved to the commissioner church where every member was commissioned to go out and do ministry? In this church... You don't pass a plate or a stick to me, and you don't pay me to come with my own stick and plates. In this church, I give you the plate, and I give you a stick. Figure out how to spin your own plate. Do your own ministry. Well, I need some help. Okay, well, that's my job. Let me help you. Let me explain what evangelism looks like in your setting. Let me teach you how to commend Christ. In your setting. That's my job as the leader quipper. But your job is to spend your own ministry plate. In that case, you see, the unlimited nature. And then nobody has to get burned out because only one man can only do what one man can do. But one man can all hey he has a ministry, and you all have a ministry. You can spend your plate. You don't have to spend mine, I don't have to spend yours. We spend our own ministry play. That's the church properly functioning. And it also gives you significance. It gives you reward when you enter into the glories of heaven. God can say, well done. Good and faithful servant. You were given ministry as mine. And you did ministry as mine. You exalted me. That's ministry to God. You commended me. That's the ministry of evangelism to others. And you built up the body of Christ. That's edification. Ministry to Christ's church for whom he died. And you can see how God would say, Wow, well done. Good and faithful servants. The large church, according to the 2020 Lifeway Research, says is 250 or more in the American congregations. 250 or more makes up 10% of the American church but hosts nearly 60% of all the weekly attenders. This group is not only the group most willing to change, the most willing to grow. They are the group having the greater harvest. They have the greater sense of mission and the greater sense of purpose a church where every member sees themselves as the ministers and the church leadership sees themselves as leaders and equippers. When every member is a minister and has their own ministry sphere, the church has unlimited opportunities for growth and expansion. Biblical philosophy that encourages biblical function produces glorious fruit for our God. Let's pray God will make us that kind of church, okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have raised up before us this morning additional deacons and additional elder and new staff. Let us not think, okay, now ministry will happen here or there. But let us continue to see ministry is in our house. It's in our home. It's in our lives. Forgive us when we've pushed the ministry to someone else that we should be doing. Father, find us faithful. Every member of New Covenant Church, find us faithful as ministers, exalting you as a primary ministry, loving you first on the first day of the week. And Father, may that begin the cycle of us commending you. To those around us, to those in our home and neighborhood, that you are the love of our life. You are who we cherish. Let us cherish you more and more. May others be drawn to you through that love that you've given us for you. And then, Lord, may we all begin to grow, knowing all of your commands, keeping your commands, being equipped to follow them so that your church functions properly. Thank you, Father, for where you have brought us, for who you've made us to be as a church. Continue to strengthen and bless us. We give you the praise. It's not about us. It's not about a particular pastor or leader or elder or deacon. It's about you, the head of the church in your body, functioning as you want under your authority. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful picture of your church always expanding into every ethnic group and never diminishing, growing and growing for your honor and glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.